I want to know how many of these just through evolution like gave their lives until they mm-hmm. figured that out. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we right. can't wait. We need to, as soon as it's here, <laughs> we're gone. You we're saw pack what, your bags. We're, we're out of here. You saw what happened to Mary last season, yeah. right? <laughs> That's what happens when you don't drop your leaves fast enough. Young ones like they're Those like stubborn a, grandparents uh-huh. are just still out there freezing. Hey guys, welcome back to the Every Plant Story podcast, the podcast where we share all kinds of plant stories from the life of us here at Gabriella Plants and all around our plant community. Uh, my name's Shane Malloy. I'm the owner of Gabriella Plants, and to the right of me today, for all you listeners who can totally see that, uh, <laughs> is Brett Weiss, our head grower for Gabriella Plants. Hi guys. And Zach is with us again in the third chair as our media director of Gabriella Plants. Hello. So good to have you guys back. Um, I know we have a lot of special guests coming up here soon. Super mm-hmm. excited to have them in. Um, super excited for next week's guests. I think people are going to be really excited about that. And hopefully those conversations, not to spoil anything, breeding, uh, <laughs> may, uh, may be really entertaining for a lot of people. Yes. And I can't wait to, to learn something from it. But for as for today's podcast... It's just the family. It's just us here. Yeah, it's just us. Um, kind of back to the, the roots of the podcast. <laughs> uh, and we wanted to bring up something that we had kind of touched on a couple weeks ago um, when we had the houseplant guru on the podcast, which was we recognize that in Central Florida, we won't see anything called winter for like another three months. <laughs> um, actually, I looked this up last night, okay. not related to this, completely unrelated, mm-hmm. of what is the actual cool season like by by like a book definition what's mm-hmm. the cool season in florida january 5th through march something interesting so they don't even call florida's cold season any period of november and december and as mm. a long lifetime floridian who was born in the same hospital you would still get driven to if you had an emergency at gabriella today <laughs> um yeah yeah christmas is 85 it really doesn't yeah, kick in till late 85 right. and rainy Right. <laughs> or it's either 82, 84 and rainy, or it's somehow 89 degrees and blisteringly sunny on Christmas. <laughs> it's it's amazing. But uh, even though that's our perspective here in Central Florida, a lot of people around the country have lots of different things. And <laughs> vastly, as I, vastly different. <laughs> right. And as I, but what was kind of like mind blowing when I started looking at, okay, well, like what, there's some people who will be relatively done with cold by the time we're even starting to get mm-hmm. the start of it, you know, or maybe they're not done with it, but they've seen their worst four blizzards already mm-hmm. and are on the back half of their winter by the time we would even think to roll around into, you right. know, our winter time here. So obviously winter means a lot of winter prep for us at Gabriella. We touch on that for a second. Of course. Putting back out heaters, hooking them up to propane, um, making sure that all of our curtains function, anything um, that we're going to need in order to, you know, kind of close up and mm-hmm. keep warm the insulation. plants over winter. Yeah, insulation, all that kind of stuff. And to a certain extent, a lot of what you've been working on the last couple of weeks is those last final projects of knowing you're going into winter, where do we want to put plants based on mm-hmm. where are we trying to keep them warm? Um, and what can we do with the time remaining we have to plant as much as we can? You know, that's exactly. kind of the, the mission of the greenhouses right now. But even though that's our mission, plenty of other people <laughs> are going through their own winter prep, uh, pre- preparing for dormancy mm-hmm. is something we want to touch on. So I'll let you, uh, you know, take it away, Brett. Um, I know you sent some notes, but what describe in general, maybe start with what is common signs that your plants are starting to experience something a little bit outside of their normal comfort zone. So you have to realize that most houseplants 
really are tropical plants um, hailing from, you know, native to areas that are close to the equator that necessarily don't have vast seasonal differences or changes of seasons. You know, if you're on the equator, whether it's January or August, relatively speaking, temperatures and everything are going to be somewhat the same year round. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're we're close. As far as the United States goes, Florida is pretty close right. to the equator, but by no means are we all the way there. If right. you are all the way there, yeah, you, know, you don't, even, you literally don't know the definition of cold. So these plants kind of have it ingrained in them that that's where they're from. They're not necessarily used to seasonal changes like we have here. So when we grow them as houseplants and have them indoors or wherever we grow them in the United States here, they do kind of need to adapt and adjust some based on seasonal changes. Um, So now that we are uh, into fall going into winter, um, day length is getting shorter, which means not only is there less light, but also Mm -hmm. the intensity of the light that comes in is less. Um, Plants will begin to kind of... uh, keep their resources and uh, basically make sure that they are good, that if, let's say, you know, hypothetically it was to get cold, they can have that reserve of energy stored um, going forward that they could make it through the cold season until, you know, think of like hibernation, Mm -hmm. until it warms up again. Like a big mama bear. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, things that are totally normal for houseplants to do during this time is you may see uh, bottom leaves start to yellow, even mm-hmm. though your care is completely the same as it's been all year. And those yellow leaves can happen sometimes even literally at the same time that new growth is happening. Exactly. So it's not always a sign. Yeah, the yellow leaf is not a sign that it's overall. It can still be even growing, of course. yet shedding the weight that it doesn't think of it course. can sustain over the winter. That's, that's a great point because basically they want to drop off any excess, you know, if it's a huge, super leafy tree and it knows that it's not going to get as much light, it is going to drop, you know, a few pounds basically to be able to make its way through. Yeah, it starts Um, watching its weight. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. uh, but it could still keep growing. Um, There are other plants um, that may go into a, a deeper dormancy where they will halt all growth. Um, it really depends on the type of plant. Um, but I would say as far as tropicals, things to look for would be more than normal yellowing leaves on the bottom is like completely normal. That's them conserving their energy. Um, as well as just an overall slow, slower amount of growth. So you Mm -hmm. may still see growth, but it's not going to be as exponential or as fast as you typically would have seen in the summer months. Yeah, that, that, that's true. The other thing I like that you touched on in there was that the amount of hours light is being exposed changes because mm-hmm. that also applies if you have variegated plants, even if in the summertime mm-hmm. at the same window they were producing a certain level of variegation. Well, yeah, if you cut the light, strength of light, the positioning of light didn't change, mm-hmm. but now you just have six true hours of that level of light instead of the eight and a half you were getting in summer, the plants do recognize that. It's not just, okay, give me highlight for 15 minutes and that's enough to you know, tell my DNA what to do. You know, It's an environment they live in. So when they go into these seasonal changes mm-hmm. you know, where the days get shorter, it's also not uncommon for variegated plants to have essentially a season or two of less variegation than maybe is their maximum potential. 
And that's perfectly normal. And then there are some plants like um, philodendron birkin, as we get into the colder months, may get more variegated. Um, that can be a mix of shorter day length, but also with the cooler temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, these are certain things that kind of just force and bring out different growth mechanisms in the plant. Um, as well, you'll see... Uh, as soon as we start to get colder nights that a lot of philodendrons will start to bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just their kind of seasonal growth cycle that they've gotten used to growing in the conditions that we have them in now. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, if they have any fear mm-hmm. that they're towards the end of life, right. yeah, it immediately becomes, okay, how do I reproduce? How exactly. do I, like, at least, at least my grandkids got to be okay, <laughs> or, or I got to make one. When, you know what Absolutely. I mean? Like that, that's just how the plant has to behave. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's not super uncommon either. Now, one thing I think people don't always realize, it, and I like that we're touching on light here for a second, mm-hmm. because I, it's not always any one factor that puts a specific plant into dormancy. Of course. Um, you could have the perfect humidity maintained the entire winter long mm-hmm. under the same amount of grow lights, but because your basement now averages its temperature at 62 mm-hmm. instead of warming up daily to 82 mm-hmm. in the summertime, that just temperature could cause something in the plant and vice versa. You could have the same temperature, same humidity, everything, but get the less light or the cloudy day for a week and have a problem based on that single thing. So it's a collection while also being individual. And some plants have it almost as like a circadian rhythm type thing that you could schedule it. So, so, okay. So we were talking about these tropical plants that kind of have adapted and grown these different types of ways. There are some succulents and arid type plants um, that will go into either a reverse uh, dormancy. So they're either under a summer dormancy or what I want to touch on first is there's some that basically will go completely deciduous. So um, if you're, you know, from a state up north, deciduous trees are like your maples or oaks that basically as you go into fall, the colors will change on the leaves and then they drop their leaves. Deciduous means instead of an evergreen, it's deciduous. So there are periods of uh, leaf on, leaf off, basically leafless. And so... Or you can just say evergreen and not evergreen. (laughs) (laughs) I probably won't remember how to say the other one. (laughs) Um, But so there is, I have a tree in the back, um, a silk floss tree, Seba speciosa, the big spiky one, um, that this week has started dropping all of its leaves. We haven't had any significant cold days yet. I haven't adjusted watering any or anything like that. Um, but it's just always like like clockwork. This this these two three weeks of the year every year it'll drop its leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and our uh, greenhouse manager, my best friend Courtney, she has siblings to my Seba, and so I texted her yesterday. I was like, "Oh, are your Sebas also dropping leaves?" And she was like, "Yep, just like clockwork." Like clockwork, they also are shedding their leaves. So it's, you know, there are external factors that come in, come into play, but depending on the plant, some plants, it's just, it's always that way. No it's matter what you do, into their it's DNA. just built, yeah. exactly. Mm. They well, just and, know it. And they're like, I feel like if you think about it at a very simple level, this is kind of like an out there thought, but a plant really only can monitor its environment. Like as mm. humanity, we go around social situation to social situation thinking of, a million things that could be going, why does the oat milk cost more in my latte? You know, like <laughs> like every different thought. And it's why we can go the full season change and then go like, 
oh yeah, I didn't even really realize that three months had gone by and the average temperatures have mm. fallen. If you're also, I can only imagine though, if you're a plant, yeah, you're probably keeping a way closer notebook right. than humanity views the weather as. Mm-hmm. And those, five degrees, it goes down. It, oh it, that's yeah. That's a huge, right. huge well, difference. Well, because that matches the five degrees it went down last October 11th. Mm. And you know what I mean? And the plant is able to, they've had different studies. We talked about mm. those before with these things, but just imagine how much they can think quote unquote mm-hmm. on something as like something we take for granted like a season of is course. like what the plant that's TV yeah, for the plant all year long. <laughs> yeah, they have nothing else to do or think about. Yeah. <laughs> They're like watching the sun, counting how many hours the, of leaf you know, sun exposure they get. Like that's, that's their tic tac toe and whatever, you know, whatever else has to get them through the day. Um but okay Who's so playing tic tac toe to get through the day nowadays. <laughs> I mean I did, why why is that the one thing you went to? You go in a cracker barrel often or something? Uh, yeah, like, no, because then you play the little game where you try to jump over the thing <laughs> and you only end up with one pin. Everyone knows that. That's the cracker barrel game. Uh, Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Uh, no, but the uh, going back to what you were saying with dormancy. Now, one of the things I just wanted to kind of poke into, we're, we're talking about so far plants pretty generally, tropical mm. plants pretty generally. Um, do you maybe want to dive into, uh, the one that comes to mind obviously is alocasia, um, just because those can mm-hmm. go dormant. Um, and from my, correct me if I'm wrong, my perspective, they can also do it much faster than a lot. Like you were kind of, of describing these. Um, deciduous? Yeah, yeah, deciduous. Close. Good job. Close. Um, Those types of different trees where it's like, for the tree, a Mm. two-month process of getting ready for winter, quote-unquote, whereas something like an alocasia is good, 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 hits a temperature threshold and is like, never mind, see you next year, and pieces out very quickly. You know I mean? They go from zero to 60. That is, so alocasias like... um, some other aeroids like Amorphophallus or Typhonium or things that basically they have adapted and have specialized um, plant organs known as corms that basically are like bulbs. Corm, if you don't know the term corm, I'm sure you know know the term bulb. They put it They're- in gasoline. No, I was just making a cor- <laughs> I, I was just making a corm Hilarious. joke. It's okay. Um, no, I couldn't help co- myself. I'm corm, sorry. Corm with an M. C O R M. Um, <laughs> so not corn with a K, that's a band. So yeah. <laughs> this is the third corm. Yes. Um, these corms, like a bulb, basically act as an extra storage unit. So a good example of a type of corm is like garlic. Okay. So a garlic clove is a corm. Really? Um, so basically what happens is if you have that, bare root garlic clove clump, it acts as a storage device that that plant essentially is dormant in its state. There's no real roots to it. There's no leafy parts or anything like that. It's in a hiatus, let's say, waiting for the conditions to be right for it to then be able to grow again and quote unquote put out Mm -hmm. and, and start growth again. So, Alocasias, because they do possess these corms, are quicker to be able to basically, hey, something literally, literally, especially with alocasias, anything could be wrong. Right. And it they're just, just be one really, of the factors. Really quick to just, all right, I'm going to drop all my leafy parts and just pull all my energy resources basically into like, you know, SOS emergency mode, mm-hmm, pull mm-hmm. everything inside. 
um, and then wait for the outside conditions to stabilize again, and then I'll flush back out. Mm-hmm. Quit while you're ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and they do that so that in that if I'm not mistaken, in the process of how quickly they drop it, they're not subjecting the bulb mm. to as much potential damage because if the plant was still above the soil line mm. planted in the ground and a frost came through or snow came mm. through, the coldness would then be able to penetrate right. the corm well beneath the soil line. It it ditches the leaves in order to not only hold its energy, mm. but also to isolate itself six inches under the surface of the ground and not be where active snow is going to rest it, for the next period of time. Exactly. It's it's essentially a fail-safe. Um, and I mean, that's a great point because now if you have a... If it's in a pot and the pot is above ground, this isn't necessarily the case. But if it was planted in the soil in the actual ground of the earth, um, typically... I would I want to say it's six to eight inches depending on the type of soil of where you live, but six to eight inches below soil line, like below ground level, is essentially considerably warmer mm-hmm. than the top six to eight inches of topsoil. Um, so a lot of those plants, I mean, if you live up north, there are plants like irises or daylilies, even caladiums. That'll, that'll do the exactly. That'll do the same thing where. As they go to protect themselves, they pull all the resources in down below ground and then wait out the winter. And then once conditions are good again, they'll flush back out. That's awesome. I want to know how many of these just through evolution, like gave their lives until they mm-hmm. figured that out. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we right. can't wait. We need to, as soon as it's here, <laughs> we're gone. You we're saw what... your bags. We're, we're out of here. You saw what happened to Mary last season, yeah. right? <laughs> That's what happens when you don't drop your leaves fast enough. You know, ones like they're yeah, like stubborn a... grandparents are uh-huh. still out there freezing. Uh, cross with military boot camp. There's just plants yelling at each other. Like, you're never going to be anything in this world if you can't learn how to go into dormancy. Um, but I do, I do want to also touch on, also, though, Sorry, just ahead, another joke. Like, so you're telling me we're just like <laughs> garlic went to sleep, and now we just eat it like yeah. while it was snoozing. Uh-huh. All right, well, I'm, wow, kick, I feel kick really it bad right. Now. Like, yeah. okay, anyhow, kick it while it's down. Yeah, what, what were you gonna say? <laughs> oh, um, I do want to touch on though that there are a, I would say a large group of plants, typically succulent types, um, that have a summer dormancy. So I was gonna say because not all. Plants in general, obviously the aeroid group doesn't like winter, Mm -hmm. like we don't like winter in Florida, Uh, (laughs) but like you're saying, there's 100% other classes that don't fall into that. And so a lot of these uh, succulent types that have a summer dormancy are native to and hail from parts of the southern hemisphere. Think of like South Africa, Madagascar types. So you have to realize that we call it here a summer dormancy when realistically what we view as being a quote-unquote winter grower for us in the southern hemisphere is actually just a normal summer growing plant. That they didn't switch their growth cycle just to appease us because now they're on vacation up in the northern hemisphere. I you know what that. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we were personifying plants so much in oh, this yeah. episode oh, and yeah. I love it. So it's, uh, it is important to note that there are a uh, big one comes to mind like lithops, your living stones. Um, a lot of these plants that you may have in your house that kind of didn't do any growth all summer and you're like, Oh, what do I do now? 
totally normal. That is just their life cycle and really going into, well, we're in October, going into November, they're going to start to wake up is the term I like Mm -hmm. to use um, and come out of their summer dormancy and go into winter dormancy. And so now this isn't for all succulents, so please do your research before you just go and like willy-nilly water all your plants. But (laughs) most of the time, if it's a summer dormant succulent now is the time for its big growth season so you want to increase your watering give supplemental light give them the things that they would technically be looking for if it was their summer yeah and it makes sense that like for certain plants i would imagine probably not ones we carry but you have the complete opposite thing where like the cold hot that the cold isn't going to be as bad in the desert and there's Mm -hmm. a more focus of the plant like okay but how do i survive the 16 hour a day being beaten in the sun, right? You know, out west movie, like mm. a tumbleweed rolls. Like, how does that plant survive? Is a completely different mindset when we talked than the about tropical that, series of plants. We talked do. about that on one of the first episodes we did, but a lot of those succulents have contractile roots that will allow them to pull themselves down into the oh, soil. Yeah. Um, because I mean, a lot of these really hot deserts it may get to 120 degrees during the day, but it will still get really cold at night. Most, Mm -hmm. you know, most deserts, that's just how it works. And so whether it is protecting them from the harsh sun during the day or insulating at night, they do have the ability usually to pull themselves down. And to leave this world for a second, Mm -hmm. that I read a whole article on that is a big problem that they're having with just the generalized concept of growing plants like not in space, but specifically mm-hmm. on Mars, because it's like the deserts. It's not It's not like you get seasons. Mm-hmm. It's on the daily, a billion degrees in the positive, and then mm-hmm. at night, a billion degrees in the negative. And there are the light cycles, talk about that, are completely different. Oh, yeah. So how do you take a plant? Like you're saying, hmm. we may take a plant on vacation right. to Mars, but is that plant, like how many generations of that plant is it going to take until they figure out like, no, 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 no. This isn't a vacation anymore. <laughs> this is where we're living. We're in. not going home. And somehow we and somehow we got to adapt to twenty six hour and a half days or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know the difference is there. Um, it, that's mind blowing to me mm-hmm. that that's going to be a challenge for plant scientists in the future. Is you know we're talking about as a home personal collection. How do we do best transition plants? Um, but the whole point of transitioning plants from environment to environment has always been a struggle mm-hmm. and has always been a whether you're importing things to the other side of the world and trying to match right. where they came from or trying to take a plant out of this world. Either <laughs> literally, way, literally, literally yeah. out of this world, it, those are all going to be completely new environments for the plant to go in. And Absolutely. if your alocasia or whatever other plant hasn't been through a Pennsylvania mm-hmm. November, it doesn't know. It, you have to have a little bit more grace, particularly, I feel like, the first year. Because mm-hmm. oh, it just doesn't, it, like the first gen going to Mars, like, yeah, these plants are probably all going to fail. Because they mm. all know in their DNA that this is how it's supposed to work, well, and I, it doesn't work that way. Even as a Floridian going to New York in December for the first time, and all you packed was shorts and flip flops, like there's a Oof. learning curve. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like you just don't know what to expect until you're living in it. Right. And then that second time you visit New York <laughs> in you're January, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you packed only pants in it. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but I do think that that's something to keep in mind that for a lot of these plants, it will be their first season. Mm-hmm outside of a greenhouse or outside of the 
areas that they're grown in. All right, so that's a good segue. So I think things that you can then do for your houseplants to make Yeah, let's make it practical a little bit. Yeah, make their winter vacation a little bit easier on them. I would make sure if you have them um, close to a window because you want to maximize light, that's good, but be aware that as it starts to get cold, that cold can radiate in through your windows, your mm-hmm. window onto the windowsill. Um, so you do kind of have to find the threshold of how close can you get it to maximize light without it being too close to have the cold damage or you know mm-hmm. inhibit growth. On and not plant. only cold, sometimes that area of cold air can also be intensely dry mm-hmm. as well. So not that most plants the temperature is going to bother that you're going to see temperature damage before you see humidity damage. Mm. But even if you had had a plant that needed high humidity and you had it near a windowsill with a humidifier, if you can make it work somewhere else, that may be slightly better if possible. Of course. Um, yeah. So, I mean, drafts are a big thing too, because that that's a good point because even if it isn't right by a cold area if you are getting cold or windy drafts that can still negatively affect a plant and vice versa if you have we don't have them here in florida my wife and i just vacationed in north carolina (laughs) so i got reminded that this exists elsewhere but you know the the heating vents that are like in the floor that's not a florida thing we don't have basements and we don't have heaters in the floor (laughs) Uh, because you want cold air conditioning to come from the ceiling you want to fall on your back uh, down your back and it's the greatest (laughs) feeling you can have in a really hot state Mm. Um, but that also creates those, those sometimes can be positioned near windows or at edges of rooms where collections can Mm. sometimes be had. So definitely be mindful of the air coming out of a a furnace or a, or a heating source is going to be a probably pretty, you know, just like an air conditioner, the air coming directly out of the AC vent Mm -hmm. is quite substantially different than the ambient temperature. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be really dry if you're, if you're heating that air. Well, and just how you can get cold damage, you could also get heat damage from it being too close to your furnace or your, you know, your central heating. So keep in mind, windows, temperatures are a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what other kinds of things? I know some people, um, depending on maybe what they got um, this week or what their recent additions to their collection have been. Any recommendations from Brett on uh, repotting, fertilizing? Um, I know a lot of times when people ask me that question, I'm like, I mean, anytime's a good time. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, like, I'll, the f- plant will take nutrients pretty much anytime. But. As, a, as a general rule for repotting, you should either be finishing up and doing all of your repotting now before we get into complete winter or... If you've already started experiencing winter conditions, you kind of just got to hold it, got to hold it, wait, and then when spring starts again, then you can repot again. You don't want to, as a general rule, you don't want to repot during the winter months because the plant isn't going to be actively growing. So no matter how wonderful you are at repotting, repotting is still a stressful experience for the plant. And so you don't want to do the repot shock the plant and the plant not be able to have enough resources or or nutrients or light or any of the factors available to uh, deal with that shock and grow through it. Because if you were to do that, now basically it's going to be shocked for an, a longer extended mm-hmm. period of time all through winter until it is able to get its, you know, get grounded again and start to grow in spring. And as we talked about multiple times, although root rot is 
way more uncommon and is a my a, a big you know myth to me in mm-hmm. a lot of senses you will run a higher chance of root suffocation too mm-hmm. because if you know if you have a ton of soil that does not yet have roots you know expanding into that soil volume mm-hmm. even if you haven't watered it a whole lot it's going to be just sitting moisture when the temps drop and you're only watering every three weeks, that's going to stay pretty saturated. So ideally, I, yeah, I agree with that. even something that's pot bound isn't the worst idea. No, I mean, because it, it, it at least is not going to have excess moisture over it, the winter. If the issue is your plant is root bound in the pot and you're on the fence of whether you should repot it now or wait until spring, wait until spring. The only issue I ever see with root, bound plants is that they dry out quicker which Mm -hmm. just means you just have to stay on top of it through the season and just make sure to give it a drink a little bit more often or sometimes you'll have um root boundness be expressed in keeping somewhat juvenile Mm -hmm. size or leaf shape so if you do that to um I was just thinking of it like a hope um, sure. or a revolution or something like that. Mm. And you keep it in a four inch. It's n- not ever going to get, they can have multiple feet long leaves, sure. but they're not going to get bigger than like a, you know, an alocasia right. maharani or something until they get more space. So mm. you may also see it continue to produce new leaves, but not so much air quote grow right, or continue to mature mm-hmm. in any way. But it's still there. It's still happening. You know, it's still doing what it can in that limited situation. Like you're saying, maybe better to wait until spring. Of course. So uh, the other thing was nutrients like fertilizer. So I'm sure this is this is my opinion. This is how I feel. I'm sure some people are like way Hot more. Hot take warning, Zach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure warning. some people are way one way versus the other. But I feel that generally speaking, Plants can benefit from fertilizer year-round. Amen. There are exceptions where, like orchids, I grow a lot of orchids personally. Um, There are, a lot of orchid growers will tell you, starve them of nutrients in the winter, and then basically come spring, you bombard them with nutrients, and that will push them to flower. So unless you're growing a flowering plant, if it's just a foliage plant, the plant can benefit from nutrients year round. If anything, it's like taking your vitamins when you, you know, it's, it's right, another way to get some extra exactly. help some extra when boost. the, yeah, if you're not able to get your vitamin D from going to the beach once a mm-hmm. week like you normally do and getting the sunlight, like, yeah, take a multivitamin. It's not the same, right? but it ain't going to hurt anything. Right. Now, the only thing I would say to keep in mind is if you are fertilizing year round, you do want to make sure to periodically flush your soil mm-hmm. so you don't deal with any, um, um, accumulated excess salt buildup or anything in the soil. Um, flushing your soil is as simple as watering it through with just pure water, no fertilizer, a few, you know, for a few rounds, taking a break basically before you start fertilizing again. Um, yeah, I, fi- I, I found from talking to some different customers that roughly speaking, the every other mm-hmm. water seems to be a good balance for them as far as when the people who I know use. Mm-hmm. water soluble fertilizer um and, but now uh that's water soluble but also keep in mind like we use nutricoat nutricoat usually is only good for six to eight months um so you could build it into your plant care regimen that hey winter time let's apply all new um 
you know, slow release granular fertilizer mm-hmm. and then mark the date. And then now you know that you don't have to reapply until summer. It, and it's hard to overdo that NutriCoat too, because mm-hmm. it's going based on how much you're watering. So if exactly. you're not, if you're not watering because yeah, it was a colder two week stretch of time, you don't have to worry about them going without nutrients or, you know, having to remember when the last time you did it, just the next time mm-hmm. the plant needs water, it's there. It's a really easy way to do it for those who like it. And then, um, I mean, you'll probably hear me preach this for the till the end of time on this podcast, but I'm a huge proponent for supplemental lighting. Um, so especially we're going into the winter months. We already touched on you're going to have lower light naturally from when the you sun. you got to pull things away from the windows. If you want to see as much continued growth as possible in your plants, get additional artificial plant lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There are plenty of options out there. There are full spectrum compact fluorescent lights that you can get that are only $15, $20. Mm-hmm. Um, like we touched when we talked uh, with Lisa, houseplant guru, those usually do need to be replaced every six to 10 months. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they, perfect for a season. Exactly. And they are considerably cheaper than doing an LED um, route which mm-hmm. you pay more up front for an LED, but the LED doesn't ever expire, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's consistent, mm-hmm. ultra consistent. Well, those are some really good tips. Is there any other um, plants that you think people should have a forewarning about just having tr- trouble in the winter months that come to mind? Um, I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners have these types of plants, but like what I grow that I think of is your um, your Madagascar palms, your pacopodiums. Mm-hmm. They're all going to be completely deciduous, so they're going to drop all their leaves. Don't freak out. Like if this is your first season ever growing a pacopodium and it loses its leaves, like you're not a it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you're not a bad plant parent. Like it's okay. It's natural. Um, and basically, you're just gonna wanna once they drop their leaves, you're going to want to scale back watering. So. You could probably still water it a tiny bit every so often, but you're not going to want to water a whole lot. And then generally speaking, same with cacti. Most cacti that you grow hold off watering until springtime. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and yeah. I mean, if that means going six, eight weeks without water, that's okay. Yeah, it, especially it, for succulents. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's way better than overwatering and having it rot in the winter. A hundred percent. And one one more thing I just wanted to, to dash in here as well. I think that one thing people, one mistake I see some people do, particularly with, call them the harder to grow aeroids, mm-hmm. larger stem philodendrons, the pickier anthurium. Um, just because it's wintertime doesn't mean the plant doesn't want to be watered mm-hmm. or is going to super, super enjoy being watered every three weeks. Mm-hmm. So there is a fine relationship, and I highly encourage learning how to dose your water if that's putting a quarter of the amount of water mm-hmm. in the plant and not truly soaking it as much because mm-hmm. that is what allows you to keep a somewhat routine once every week mm-hmm. or once every 10 days and that can keep you in a better thing than okay what's well, the first of the month i watered and they probably won't need anything more but i'll keep an eye on for a plant mm-hmm. that wants to continue to grow in artificial light in your home they want to have that same cycle even if it's somewhat faked mm-hmm. of knowing that there's more water coming mm-hmm. and that it's not the monthly supply. And now right. I, that's only going to further the ones that are going to be prone to dormancy going, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, well, this isn't the, this is when she stops watering. This is when, you know, <laughs> they, like for new, multiple reasons, mm-hmm. I'm out of here for the season. 
Um, so I think that controlling those w watering amounts can be the key to sometimes let you keep the routine of watering the plants that rather have water, even mm -hmm. orchids and things where they need kind of the routine of it regularly being available. They can't right. just go a month without. Just consider dialing back how much you're watering mm -hmm. so that each you can time. water. Yes, mm -hmm. each time. So that you, if you're using two cups of water in a six-inch pot, use a half a cup, but do it once a week. Mm -hmm. And that will also help your plant maintain that ongoing growth pattern because that would be more like what it would be in that plant's natural habitat. I, yeah, it's I, the end of the week. It gets more rain. I agree it with that. dries out over the weekend. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. that, that ebb and flow is definitely what a plant knows and loves. Mm -hmm. So the more you can kind of try to keep that consistent, even if the temperatures are a little bit different, even if the humidity is a little bit different, that that has been something that's worked in my collection and yep. also been a, a tip that I've tried to share with people. But with that, I love um, it. Yeah, I this has been covered, a fun podcast. Yeah, we covered a lot. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of the Every Plant Story podcast. Um, if you have any other winter questions, we can throw it on. We do have a special guest for the next episode, mm -hmm. but if you have those questions, shoot it to us on a DM on Instagram at Every Plant Story or shoot it to us in an email at feedback at everyplantstory.com. And we'd be happy to bring those up in the next podcast. And maybe touch on a few more little winter things that maybe we weren't aware of mm -hmm. or a uh, question we could answer. But otherwise, um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Brett, for being here. Thank of you, course. Zach. And otherwise, we will see you guys next time. Bye, guys. See you.